Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for today's market update brought to you by Cargill Elevate. My name is Lauren Barker, and I'm joined today by Ryan Oates, who is our weather analytics lead here within Cargill. Ryan, thanks for joining me today. Let's kick off here by letting you tell the listeners who you are, what you do, and maybe your history with Cargill. Hey, Lauren, great to be on today. I have been at Cargill for about three years now. I'm originally from the western suburbs of Chicago. And I've always loved weather and really did that in undergrad. I went to Northern Illinois University and then I went to grad school out in Utah. And then I really just loved how weather kind of intersected with commodities. So my first job was out in Connecticut for a company called Noble Group. And then eventually kind of worked my way back to Chicago and worked there for a company called Kafka International. And then, yeah, and then this opportunity came up in the Twin Cities. So I've been at Cargill since 2021 and have been on the weather team ever since. Our kind of functionality is primarily focused on just the Cargill agriculture supply chain and primarily focused on a weather risk for our trading activity. So uh, we cover weather globally, wherever stuff grows is is region that we keep an eye on. So uh, that's kind of the high level background. Thanks, Ryan. Let's kick it off by starting with the current weather situation that we are in right now. I know there are areas that have been receiving ample amounts of rainfall, and we have other areas like where I live where we are incredibly dry (laughs) and we would give anything to have some moisture right now. So what can you tell us about how we're currently sitting and maybe what we're setting up for in the future? Yeah, so it's been a journey for a lot of the center part of the United States. So let's just start back from the beginning. So back in September, we came out of a fairly dry summer across a lot of areas. And that you know, pockets of the plains into the Midwest. And then we we knew that this developing El Nino, which ended up being a stronger event, was going to hopefully erode some drought across some of these areas. And that's what we saw over the wintertime. So, of course, we've had an extremely anomalous warm pattern across North America on par or sometimes exceeding in some months, 2016, 2015-16. That was the last strong El Nino event. But we've also seen a more active subtropical jet stream, bringing, of course, the atmospheric river and and flooding events into the west coast of the United States. Uh, But that energy moving eastward also benefited the central to southern plains, eroded a lot of the drought in the deep south, and also parts of the Midwest. So there's been a lot of winners with this rain. Unfortunately, there has been some uh, regions, including parts of the Western Corn Belt like Iowa, that have kind of missed out on some of these precipitation events. So all in all, this has been a kind of a, an interesting winter to, to track because we've had El Nino that's been dominating the pattern. And essentially, uh, that side of the, the that cold shot that hit Texas and parts of the Midwest in, middle, in the middle of January, it really has been just such a mild winter. And yeah, and so we've we've seen a lot of change over the last four to five months. And El Nino will likely be kind of a principal contributor to weather as we look to March. But there will be, of course, uh, some transitions occurring. Ryan, you talked about the El Nino potentially transitioning to a La Nina. Can you explain to our growers what that means and why it matters how fast or how slow we transition from one weather pattern to another and what that means moving forward? Yeah, so of course, whenever we transition out of a ENSO cycle or going from El Nino to La Nina or La Nina to El Nino, or of course, 
you know, to state the obvious, we're transitioning out of whatever that dominant pattern has been into a, a new regime. So in a sense, there is, there's probably two inputs here. There's the rate of change of how we make that transition. That rate, there is some impact to the U.S. weather. Uh, for instance, the quicker we go into La Nina uh, over the growing season, so more of the summer months, there is a kind of a warm signal there. But also just at an even higher level, just the fact that we're making a quick transition means that La Nina and the impacts that brings globally will arrive just a bit sooner. So both at rate of transition and just the arrival of La Nina early. So in terms of the way we've looked at this, you know, it is a input that the speed of transition, but it's we would consider that more of a secondary input compared to just the arrival of La Nina and also just other ocean basins having an influence on our weather. So for this springtime, in particular for, for winter wheat, we expect El Nino to continue really kind of over the next month or two. And the atmosphere is very much still kind of transitioning out of it, but still in a El Nino type of environment. But as we get towards the late April into May, you know, we could the, the pattern we've seen with favorable rainfall out of the southern plains could be transitioning a bit as well. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Brian, February temperatures have been mild throughout much of the U.S. this year. What does that mean for planting? Is there is there any correlation? Does it mean guys are going to hopefully get in the field earlier than normal? Does moisture have an effect on that? Is there any feeling that you have? The general kind of general consensus has been just kind of persisting this pattern. And that's not a bad assumption in this case. So essentially, we've been the last few months in a really warm and dry pattern across much of the Northern Plains into parts of the, the Midwest. And that continuing, I, I think, is kind of a good kind of baseline assumption for the rest of March and then into April. We are keeping an eye on some things that might might change that a bit, but in terms of temperatures, but and that does provide some potential cold risks for second, you know, late March, possibly into April. But overall, just where we stand right now, Lauren, late February, with basically no snowpack and let's say the Dakotas, some of these elastic acreage areas. That is already a positive sign relative to the last few uh, winters and springs across some parts of the country. So overall, uh, things are looking a bit more optimistic uh, as we go to kick off the planting uh, in April. Let's talk specifically on wheat for a minute here. We know that a lot of it is coming out of dormancy right now. If we do get colder temperatures like you talked about, or say we get a late March, early April snowstorm, could we have some major issues for a wheat crop? Yeah, there there are fringe risks as we get towards late March into April. So right now, it doesn't feel like it over the next couple of weeks here. But right now, we have a stratospheric warming event occurring over the North Pole. Now, the last time this happened in a significant way was the middle of January. The last time we had that cold snap, you know, for the the Plain states, Southern Plains, Texas, most areas east of the Colorado Rockies. So. You know, do we expect something as severe or anomalous as that? <laughs> Probably not. It's it's just too far out to really diagnose magnitude, but it's something we're keeping an eye on. Uh, until then, really, it's just a kind of fringe risk. We think that this El Nino kind of pattern, again, March, April, will keep any type of winter kill risks uh, lower than normal. 
and we'll likely just want to keep it just to keep an eye on the impacts of that SSW event. Right now, the impacts of that colder risk are being felt in East Asia. That's looking to shift here as we get towards mid to late March. So we just want to keep an eye on where that cold spills from the north. Is it Eurasia? Is it North America? It's just too soon to tell. So that's something we're keep an eye on. But until then, really, I think you, we just kind of continue with this warm forecast for the foreseeable future. All right, last question. We've talked about, you know, lack of moisture in certain areas. We've talked about the potential return of cold temperatures. Are there any other areas of concern as we look forward to the U.S. planting and growing season at this point in time? I think you mentioned, Lauren, just some residual drought in some parts of the western corn belt. I mean, if we continue to have just a, a warm spring with just not a lot of precipitation. Of course, you know, attention will, will turn from the great planting conditions to kind of persistent drought. So that's something to keep an eye on as we get towards deeper into spring and then, and then early summer is, do we see a strong rebound in soil moisture or is this something that, you know, could be persisting? So that, that'd be a risk that we're keeping an eye on. It's in the back of our minds, albeit there's a lot of weather and a lot of positive things working for planting and the crop in the near to medium term. But longer term, we just want to make sure that we do see a return of better soil moisture. Or, you know, of course, we might be sitting here in May or June with some droughty conditions. So some, again, it's just something to keep an eye on in the back of our mind for the next couple months ahead. Thank you, Ryan, for joining me today on the Elevate podcast. Appreciate you bringing your weather expertise to all of our listeners. To those listening, thank you for joining us today. As a reminder, we are at Commodity Classic in Houston. If you are down there, please stop by our booth, 803. We'd love to see you. Take care.